The text this afternoon is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, but for context, we're going to read uh, the verses 10 through 16. A sermon is part of a series that I've been preaching in Providence on the whole armor of God, and this particular one is on the shield of faith. So Ephesians chapter 6, we'll read 10 through 16. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Now here's our text. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. After the sermon, we'll respond to the gospel of salvation by singing hymn 68, stanzas 1, 7, and 8. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, well, it's approaching the end of October now, and so that means that catechism classes are in full swing now. Students and instructors are no doubt settling into the the weekly rhythm of all those things. And as in most churches, uh, for all of you too who are catechism students, I've noticed this in the assignments that are included in Emmanuel's part of the bulletin, that there's a fair bit of memorization of catechism questions and answers, the Lord's days, uh, in your weekly preparation for these classes. And this is the same in, in Providence. It's a tremendous blessing for the people of God if at some point in our lives we have memorized and recited every question and answer during the course of our time as catechism students. The reality is that some Lord's Days, some questions and answers are more difficult than others. They don't quite stick in the brain as, as well as, as other ones do, or maybe more accurately, they don't, they don't come back out of our brains as uh, accurately as other ones might. And with that reality... Catechism instructors can sometimes give preference to ones that are generally understood to be the landmark questions and answers, the most important ones that you absolutely must commit to memory. If all else fails, if your memory fails to some huge degree, at least there are certain ones that you retain in your memory. And so these are ones like 
Lord's Day 1. What is your only comfort in life and death? One's like Lord's Day 10. What is the providence of God? And there's this beautiful description of the, the type and, and, and extent of God's fatherly care over his people. Question and answer 65 from Lord's Day 25. Where does faith come from? Faith comes by the Holy Spirit who works in our hearts, by the preaching of the gospel, and so forth. There are certain ones that we must know. And Lord's Day 7 is one of those major ones, this, especially the second question and answer from Lord's Day 7. The question there is, what is true faith? And I'll just read what we have there. True faith is a sure knowledge whereby I accept as true all that God has revealed to us in His Word. And at the same time, it's a firm confidence that not only to others, but also to me, God has granted forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness, and salvation. Out of mere grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits, and this faith, the Holy Spirit works in my heart by the gospel. This is one of those Lord's days. What is true faith? If the instructor's have a short list. This one is on it. And it's because of the centrality of faith in the Christian's life, the important function of faith for our salvation and our daily well-being. It's one of the five solas of the Reformation, sola fide, by faith alone. And this emphasis is, and this emphasis that we have on the presence of faith in the Christian life, it's justified by its prominent place throughout God's Word. Faith is how we receive the benefits of Christ's work. And we understand, too, that faith itself is a gift of God, it's a grace of God. It's how we receive all of the other gifts and graces of God. It's how we're able to live out a God-fearing life. It's how we're able to withstand the pressures, the attacks that come upon us, attacks that would seek to try to wrench us away from our Savior. And that's why faith is pictured here in our text as such a prominent piece of weaponry, the soldier's shield. And so that's our theme for this afternoon, the greatest defense of the Christian, the shield of faith. And we'll see two aspects of this. First, we'll see the importance of the shield, and secondly, the effectiveness of the shield. There was an ancient Greek lyric poet whose name was Archilochus, and he was pretty famous for inventing innovative uh, uses of, of rhythm, of meter, but, but also he's one of the few poets who's known for doing something that was considered incredibly shameful. He writes here, one of the scions, so this is somebody from the tribe of Thrace, one of the scions now delights in a shield I discarded unwillingly near a bush, for it was perfectly good. But at least I got myself out safely. Why should I care for that shield? Let it go. Some other time I'll find one no worse than that one. So this, is, uh, this 
poem is probably 2,400 years old. Now, we have to understand the culture of that time. Doing something like what Archilochus is claiming here in this poem, doing something like this would be unthinkable. This poet claims that he was supposed to be fighting in some battle. Apparently, he didn't see any action at all because he says this shield was perfectly good. It was in mint condition. And if your shield is in mint condition, then that means that you didn't ward off any, any blows with it. So, he hid this shield near a bush and deserted his army, got himself away from danger. It was generally accepted that if you were a soldier, you would rather die than leave your shield behind. This is reflected in one of the sayings of Spartan women that was compiled by the historian Plutarch. One of them goes like this. Um, Another Spartan woman said, as she handed her son his shield, she exhorted him, either this or upon this, meaning either come back with your shield or come back being carried on your shield, having perished in battle, of course. Either way, you don't come home without it. The shield was the most valued piece of armory. And there are a lot of reasons for this. One was because the shield is a major part of your identity. A soldier was recognizable because of the style of his shield, the size and the shape. You knew whom, who this soldier's commanding officer was by what his shield looked like. And also because, yes, it bore, it bore the emblem of your military unit. When Constantine was converted, he had every soldier in his unit paint the, what's called the high row. So that's the, um, the X and the R, the first two letters of Christ's name in Greek. The, the first two letters of Christ's name on their shield. It's the most visible, it's the most visible thing that a shoulder carries. And it's the greatest defense. It's the single thing that can protect your life more than any other peace. It's a thing that stops an attack really before the attack has a chance to even reach you. The shield is the one thing that you would never go into battle without. And now the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is instructing the church in this now. Faith is that shield. Faith functions as the greatest defense. Why is that? Why, is faith, why does faith hold that place? Well, let's review this. I mentioned Lord's Day 7 already. What is true faith? What does it do? Well, faith is two things. Faith is a sure knowledge. So that's a true and reliable knowledge of everything that God has revealed in His Word. So it's, it's knowledge of the gospel. It's knowledge of what God has promised. And second, it's confidence. It's knowing and believing that all these things that God has promised, these things apply to me. Not only to others, but also to me. God's promises are sure. This is 
the great defense against falling away, the defense against being defeated by Satan, knowing the things that God has promised and believing that these are for us. And this is the focus of what we read in Hebrews 11. This is the sort of the hall of the heroes of faith. This is a catalog of of the things that Old Testament saints did. But the emphasis is that they did them by faith. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Noah built an ark to save his family. By faith, Abraham obeyed God and left his home and went to a new place and so on. And so what's the author pointing out in all these examples? He's focusing our attention not merely on all of the things that they did, but on the fact that they did what they did because they believed. Verse 10, what did Abraham believe? Abraham was looking forward to a city with foundations. The author points out that he's been living in tents, traveling, he's a nomad all his life, obeying God, doing these things. Why? Because he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He believed that that was true. Verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised, so they didn't receive them while still living this life here on earth. They only saw them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be their God, for He has prepared a city for them. So, that quotation there, um, that was from the NIV. I could have read that from the ESV, but I'm sure you had no trouble following along. So, this, these examples that were shown here in the Word of God, this is living by faith, it looks like something in real life. And this is what the author is trying to show. Look at all of these examples. Don't, don't focus only on what they did. Don't focus on what they did and then conclude that they did these things and therefore they are saved. This isn't how they achieved salvation. It's not by faith, you know, they did X, it's they did X, and the point is they did it by faith. The way that they lived, the way that they lived was an outworking of the faith that they had. They wouldn't have done these things. They wouldn't have done these things if they weren't so sure, if they didn't believe in the surety of God's promises. The way that Abraham believed what God said about his son Isaac. It's in Isaac that all of your offspring will be reckoned. He he believed that. And so since he believed so strongly, he had the space, he had the ability to be able to obey God and be willing to sacrifice his son. As the author points out, Abraham must have believed in the resurrection of the dead. And and in a way, he did receive Isaac back from certain death. 
And so God's promises were sure. His offspring did come through Isaac. You take away either one of those two points on on what faith is, knowledge and and confidence. You take out either one of those. Either, Either you're not aware of what God has promised, you're not aware of of what he has done and what he is doing through Christ, take out either of those. Either you're not aware of them or you don't believe. And that has an effect on how you go forward. It has an effect on what you believe about the extent to which you can be obeying God and trusting him in your life. Your faith is lived out when you know and believe the things that God has promised. It's lived out when you believe the gospel, when you believe the news that Jesus has achieved salvation for us. If we believe that, well then suddenly we can live as God teaches us to live. Now, this is important to note here. This faith, knowing and believing the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is how we are justified. This is key. This is how we are able to appear right with God. This is how we're able to be reconciled with God, reunited with God after estrangement because of sin. This is how we are given the thing that we need. The thing that we need is peace with God, being right with God. This is how it's by faith that the benefits of Christ's work are applied not only to others, but to us, to you and me. We sang at the beginning of the service here from Psalm 18, stanza 1, I love you, Lord, you are my strength and power. My fortress is the Lord, my rock and tower, my strong deliverer to whom I flee, my shield, my helper who will rescue me. And stanza nine, God is for those who in him refuge take. He is a mighty shield, a fortress none can shake. It's by knowing Christ, by believing in him, that we are made right with God and with this restored relationship with God, God becomes for us this all-powerful shield against our enemy. We're powerless, right? We're powerless in ourselves to take any kind of stand at all against Satan, against the, the forces of evil in this world. We're completely defeated. We know that. We're completely defeated if we try to stand by our own strength. But it's by faith that we're received as God's own and we can receive His protection. Faith is our shield. This is the importance of faith. It's how we're saved. It's how we're washed from our sins. It's how we're made acceptable to God. It's how we receive God's protection. 
This is the summarizing statement of the Gospel of John. Why, why, is, why is all of this written down? Why, why do we have it? Why do we need it? John chapter 20, verse 31. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing you might have life in His name. That's the function of this. This is why we have to know this is why we have to know what God has taught, what He has promised. By believing these things, we can have life. We can survive. Without faith, we die. Whoever believes has life, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Sola fide, by faith alone. This faith, this shield, it's our defense. It's of utmost importance that we take it up. It's important and it's also effective. And that's our second point, the effectiveness of this shield. How does it work? Our text, Ephesians 6, verse 16, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So, we saw in the first place that it's faith that justifies us. It's how we receive the benefits of Christ. It's how we find ourselves under the care of God and in His protection. But it also affects, it also puts into effect a certain way of life. This, was, this is the other aspect of what we read in, in Hebrews 11. First was the main point that all of these things were done by faith, but second of all, the things that they did, right? Because they believed what God promised, they conducted themselves in a way that was in line with those promises. They didn't act in unbelief. And these examples are contrasted with what comes earlier in the letter to the Hebrews. Negative examples that we see in Hebrews chapter 4. So he's talking about the first generation of Israelites that had been miraculously rescued from Egypt... God had miraculously parted the Red Sea and delivered them from Pharaoh's army. And quite quickly, they're able to cross the desert. And they arrived all the way at the land of Canaan. They were about to enter. They were right at the edge of receiving the thing that God has promised. But what happened? They didn't believe it. They didn't believe it. Remember, this is the story of the 12 spies. Two of them, two of them believed, right? This is Joshua and Caleb. They say, yes, God promised. God guaranteed it. He said, surely, you know, this land is yours. Go in and take it. I will fight for you. So that was two of them. But the other 10 had gone in. They checked it out. They came back and they said, no. Not a chance. 
we can't, we can't take this land. We went in there. We saw how strong these, these people are. If we, if we go in, we'll, we'll get crushed. We'll get annihilated. No doubt. No doubt. Let's go back to Egypt. At least there, we had, we had uh, full plates of food. We, had, we didn't starve uh, like we've been starving and, and thirsting in the desert. Let's go back. We don't have a chance. And the people listened to those 12 spies. And so the author of Hebrews says about this in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we have also had the gospel, so promises, should always think when you hear, word, when you hear the word gospel, you should always associate, associate that with the word promise. For we too have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them or it didn't profit them, it didn't help them. Why? Because those who heard it, those who heard the promises of God did not combine it with faith. They didn't believe. So they didn't receive the thing that was promised. So they refused to go in. They refused to go in, and so they didn't have all of those glorious victories that God had promised. God had said, you go in, you fight this army, I'm going to fight for you. I'll crush every single one of them. You've seen what I did to Egypt. You saw how I drowned Pharaoh. I'll do that to everybody who stands in your way. That was his promise. Those are the victories that God gave by His grace to the next generation. All the victories that, that Joshua led the people through. And this is what's in front of us. This is what's in front of us today. How, how is faith effective for receiving what's promised? How is faith effective for receiving what's promised? The thing that's promised is our salvation, our eternal life in Christ, right? And so, the thing that goes along with that is preservation to that end, right? The thing that's promised is protection against falling away, protection from our enemies. God gives us the ability to fight and to win he gives that ability to those who believe in Him and who rely on Him and who expect that God Himself is going to go before us. It's faith that makes us convinced that Jesus didn't lie when He said, all power in heaven and on earth is given to me. Power over everything. That means that Satan, his demons, none of them can touch us without permission from the King, Jesus Christ. Faith is our confidence that God is our protection. And so we, we can rush headlong into battle knowing, knowing that God goes before us. We have this shield. Faith not only receives God as our help, it also convinces us that He makes us ready for those battles. It makes us convinced. It makes us convinced as we go through this life that Yes, we're going to fight. We need to, take, we need to take sin, temptation seriously. They're serious enemies. 
We shouldn't play with fire. We should be pursuing a holy life. It's faith that makes us flee from those things and pursue righteousness instead. It's faith that makes us take seriously the fact that that Jesus has promised us renewal and sanctification in this life. Knowing the gospel, knowing what God has promised, believing that, it contributes to our watchfulness, our guard against evil. This is how we are strong for fighting. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. So we ask ourselves sometimes, we wonder why, why we couldn't stand, you know, during whatever particular battle we're thinking of right now. Because we all slip, we all fall, we all encounter spiritual battles, you can bet on it, every single day. And sometimes we're not even aware of them. To what extent are we aware that we were attacked this morning and we weren't even aware that that we were defeated? Why does that happen sometimes? Well, Jesus says so often in his mystery after, after healing someone, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well. When we know what God has revealed to us about the nature of our spiritual life and, and we believe about the way that He equips us for these things with His Spirit, this is when we can stand. Faith is recognizing that Jesus can command a disabled person to get up and walk He can make a blind person see and He can equip us to fight against our enemies. Your faith is what makes you able to resist the devil so that he will flee from you. Faith is the shield that renders the attack of the enemy completely powerless. Your faith extinguishes all the flaming arrows of the evil one so that they cannot touch you. People of God, it's absolutely necessary for you to know what God has promised And it's absolutely necessary for you to believe, believe what God has promised. Take up your shield, the shield of faith, and you will be protected. Amen.